You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to the 750. I am your ORG Ochoa. He is your 75 two time Super Bowl champion, college football Hall of Famer, fresh off of a trip to the sunny, beautiful, breezy California. The one and only Tony Casillas. TC, what up? Yeah, I'm doing good this morning. Um, you know, I don't know so much about sunny, but I, <laughs> I will say this consider where you and I live on the earth in Texas, where now it's. Uh, 100 degree reality is set in. It was a nice, cool 70 degrees. Needed a nice sweater on the beach, but uh, uh, not a whole lot of sun in the morning. Uh, but I, hey, I didn't mind. It was a, it was a great trip. Great to see my favorite intern, my my daughter Sophia, as uh, I think I've mentioned on our show, is doing an internship in marketing out there. So it was a great reason to go out there and get away from the infernal heat. That's awesome. Um, based off of the photos you shared, it looked like a really good time. How long had it been? I was thinking about that since you'd been to a Cowboys camp while, like, you know, while things were going on. Um, I think it was probably, gosh, RJ, I'm going to say six years ago, maybe. I think we were out there uh, and we we took the best part about it. We, we did the, the drive on Pacific Highway 1, uh, which is I recommend everyone if you get a chance to ever go out there just take that trip from LA oh, yeah. it's amazing but I'm gonna say six or seven years ago is the last time I was out in Oxnard um you know my takeaway from the whole camp experience is that it's obviously changed um Cowboy Nation is alive and, and well in that part of the country as you know uh but I didn't realize how easy it is for a player because under the new rules and everything there's not a whole lot of hitting uh, so that was probably my biggest observation as a player, former player, The training camp is not the way it used to be, which is great, which is great. Yeah, um, I actually want to talk about some differences that I've noticed. I'm not out there this year, and obviously nobody was out there last year uh, in Oxnard specifically, uh, but I have I'd, I'd gone 2017, 18, and 19. And so one of the first things that I've noticed, just kind of putting together photos and, and trying to put together the, the image in my mind, mm -hmm. is there is a um, a black kind of film or tarp. I don't know how, how to describe it. Maybe you can, um, you know, get, get closer than I can here. Um, on the fence line where people, where, where fans are, are outside of this, this perimeter, this fence, and there's like a black, I mean, it's not like dark black, like a curtain, but um, kind of blackish. Again, you can elaborate on it better than I can. Um, in front of where the fans can see. Is that fair to say that you know? Well, the with COVID, the the fans, uh, the access is uh, is is totally different. And right. not that you know, fans used to have access. The players used to sign autographs. Right. Uh, we're a bit more engaging. Um, so it is kind of this dis social distancing, if you will. Uh, Along the fence, as you alluded to, there is kind of this mesh fence that goes along the fence, and the 
and the, the players are probably 40 feet away from where the fans watch actually, you know, camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seemed to me, I don't know what the head count was, but I think they kind of limited, but the stands and bleachers on the, on the side where they can actually watch practice to practice with fields. Uh, but the intimacy is not there. I, I can understand probably the, the fans probably feel like they're deprived because, uh, as you know, if you've been at camp, that's all they do is like, yo, player's name, Dak, 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 and, or Zeke or whoever it may be during the duration of his practice. But, um, my observation is that the, the, the merchandise is, it's all about Cowboys. I mean, you go in and it's got this fan experience, kind of like AT&T stadium or any place you've ever been where it's, it's inevitably, it's like a, a, a Cowboys pro shop. Right. So you have that experience, you go in, it's kind of this carnival atmosphere. Um, but the, the fans are, are subjected to the social distancing, which I understand because they want to get closer to their players. Sure. And this may be the only time they ever get a chance because you're in California, the fan base uh, probably doesn't travel uh, to Texas or, you know, if they play out there, they probably don't get to, a chance and it's 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 really affordable they don't charge anything to get in uh to watch practice um but they do get be able to buy the merchandise and it is a great experience but that's to your point about it there is this kind of this this distancing the social yeah. distancing with the players because normally the you know there's bleachers obviously but uh but you're right you're kind of able to lean up on the fence and there's still a, a bit of a you know distance between you and where the field and ends, players but, sign autographs right. if you've seen in training camp and and which is the only time that they really get an opportunity to do it yeah um that's i mean just just a sign of the times um i did just want to throw in because you mentioned the merchandise because we have mm-hmm. a lot of international listeners a lot of people who don't live in texas for anyone who does not know um, the Cowboys are the only team in the NFL. I don't know if you know this, Tony. I'm sure you do, though, uh, that own the rights to their merchandise. They're the only team. And so as a result of that, the Cowboys have, you said Cowboys Pro Shop. They have Cowboys Pro Shops throughout the state at various malls mm-hmm. throughout all of Texas. They have some in, you know, they've got some down the Rio Grande Valley. They have the, I think the one in Corpus Christi. They have a, obviously a bunch in Dallas. They have three in San Antonio. They have some in Albuquerque. There's one in Albuquerque. There's, that's the only one outside the state of Texas. I think there's like 30 stores overall. It is literally a store in a mall that is 100% Cowboys merchandise. That's all it is. Jerseys, yeah, it, it, t-shirts, it, it, like right. caps, whatever. And, I, and that was what uh, Jerry Jones negotiated uh, several right. years ago to have the the full hundred percent. And I think everybody refers to that as the Al Davis factor, right. the X factor, if you will, people don't know about Al Davis, but that's, that's the reason why there's so much this push to sell merchandise that people don't know. If you get a hundred percent of it, you don't have to share, you know, 30, 32 ways with the national football league, like some of these, the other teams do, then uh, it's, it's, it's part of the brilliancy of, uh, you know, Jerry Jones. And, and I did see Jerry, I, you know, I just missed Troy. Troy was there on Sunday. Um, but when you, when you go to, when you go back to camp, it brings back some, some memories, but my memories were just trying to survive, but it was good to see Jerry. Um, you know, he's not moving around probably like he used to 10 years ago, but nevertheless, his presence and, uh, you know, it's a good vibe. It was really a good vibe, uh, RJ. And, you know, that's kind of the expectations in every camp, this vibe and this expectation. And uh, the fact that you don't sweat. Yeah. I just can't imagine being in a training camp and just 
I would actually went to training camp because I've been was known to miss some because it was just you know I don't know my own anxiety, but uh, it's just it's great to be able to not sweat during training camp. Great well, working environment. And again, like it's it's a it's a really great environment. Ultimately, like I'm not trying to bag on the courtyard Marriott, but it's it's only a courtyard Marriott. But what's really cool for the Cowboys there is everything is on site. Again, for anyone who's never been out to Oxnard, they stay right there. They just got to walk to the practice field. Obviously the commissary, the training room, everything they want to do is on that campus. So, I mean, it's, it's like being, you know, on a college campus, so to speak, although even smaller, like you don't have to walk across campus. It's a really kind of intimate area for them to train, which is really cool. Um, Well, yeah, you're right, RJ. Don't try to interject uh, or interrupt you, but, you know, on your off days, you can go to the beach. I mean, the beach is right there, Ventura, Ventura Beach, and there's so many things you can do. And, I mean, it's just a great place to be. Um, and anyone that's ever been to Oxnard, you have all these huge – it's a it's a huge farming town. You have strawberry fields. You have totally. all this avocados. I mean, everything you think of, which is really cool. But you have the mountains, and you have the, the beach, and then you have this big farmland, which is really unique. But um, – you know, I, I, I got in a conversation with a couple of people and I think you know, the, the, the CBA, <laughs> excuse me, has changed because they don't, you know, I think the, on Saturday when I was watching, well, they for practice, they'd only have like one or two, one other practice. And right after that, they gave them a rejuvenation day off, which I never mm-hmm. even heard that. Uh, but the question is, you know, and, and things that the, the great point is that they don't, they're not subjected to the physicality of it. And when you look in, when you start ramping it up and you go full, you know, you're going full tilt and it's live ammunition, you're hitting each other. It's kind of backwards because really in September, when your, your body needs to get acclimated to, to a certain point, the, the hitting shape. But these players really don't start getting in the hitting shape until they start the regular season because they don't get the reps or maybe the last preseason game. So it does kind of, subject you to some vulnerability when it comes to injuries uh, because you're not, you had all of a sudden you had to deal with that in September, which I, which I thought was an interesting point that a lot of people brought up. Yeah. I saw you were a busy man when you were out there hanging out with a friend of the show, Mike Fisher, you just all yeah. over the place, Tony. Um, uh, <laughs> good times. Uh, but so you brought up Jerry, this is going to kind of be a, a grab bag sort of episode here. Just kind of us jumping all over the place. Uh, that's, that's kind of my broadcasting though. Right. Like, I'm kind of a grab bag kind of type of guy. I, and I was going to say like, that's generally how I roll. Like just kind of, you know, whatever direction feels right. You brought up Jerry and we haven't, uh, we haven't had an episode since the Cowboys state of the union state of the Cowboys, whatever you want to call it presser last week. Uh, when Jerry had his line about Jimmy and Barry Switzer that went everywhere. Um, <laughs> what did you make of that? Like, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to talk about like, you know, Jimmy and Barry and everything. Every, everybody knows that story, but what did you make of, of Jerry getting emotional? Cause that was a really, he, the, everybody talked about the, the Jimmy line, but the line that he said that, that stuck most with me was he talked about how he intentionally is naive in certain aspects of life. And he talked about how naivete is, is kind of a way of being positive. And he prefer, and that's mm-hmm. when he started to get choked up. He said, I, I prefer to be that way instead of focusing on all of the negative in life. And there is a, a really kind of beautiful truth to that, that naivete is, is kind of an innocent way of looking at things in life. Granted, again, it's, it's naivete. So you're, you're missing out on maybe some important context, but I don't know, like that, it was just, it was weird to me how he just randomly got emotional like that. 
I think it comes with your with your age and experience in life that as you go along in, in your life and you kind of start to reflect on things and decisions you've made, I think everyone can, you know, uh, has gone through that. Maybe you regret some of the decisions you made because of your own gain. As you mentioned, uh, you don't want to go to the negativity, negative party, your life and decisions you made, which I understand that, but that was a huge decision that, that he made. And, and I think as he gets, if they, if you move forward to, you know, you know, by the way, I saw, I think it was Mike Ducey who, who tweeted, uh, he's a friend of the show, and I, he's a great guy, a Dallas Cowboy, uh, go, excuse me, God. He, he is he, the GOAT. Da- Dallas, Dallas Fort Worth uh, sportscaster, uh, tremendous. But him and Mick Jagger are the same age, and so 78 years old, man, and the Rolling Stones are going back on tour, so which is crazy. But, you know, my point is, is that the energy that he still has and to be able to sustain and, and looking back at that whole relationship with with Jimmy, I think they're both probably should burden the blame because I, you know, I talked to Jimmy and I think he had his own agenda, uh, but I think Jerry helped him speed that up. Um, and when he when he left and they broke up, but I think it's just him reflecting back and said, you know what, maybe if I would have made this decision, it did this, maybe you know we would have won more more mm-hmm. championships. Or maybe this, my legacy would have been a little differently or, you know, the decision-making you made. But I think as you get older and you start looking back at that, it's like, man, so Tony, I wish I wouldn't have did this. I've done that and whatever. I mean, it's regrettable, but uh, to his own, to his own defense, I think it's something that he felt like that he had to separate and look at this brand now and what he's done. And I think maybe his ego probably got in the way because of his success early owning the franchise for what he bought in 89 uh, and then just had so much early success. And I think maybe that's his regret, but I, I think that that's, I think that's everyone's, uh, you know, self, uh, I, I would say their self-awareness and kind of self-reflection on what they've done in life. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, it did, it did feel like an existential moment for Jerry. Uh, the Ducey tweet you mentioned, uh, he noted that it was Mick Jagger's birthday and that he is the same age as Jerry. That is crazy to think about. Like, just I, mean, I, don't, I see. I can't. I you know I can't understand. I look. Uh, you know, Jerry's not moving as well as Mick Jagger, but um, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just saying. Maroon Five wrote um, a mean, song about the way Mick Jagger moves. For crying out loud! Well, I know. So that's my <laughs> point. It's like I don't even like it. And I think we we're talking about like I had to ask Siri how old is Mick Jagger and how old is Keith Richards, and I'm like, damn. 78 years old and they're coming back on tour. I mean, look, if you still have that, I mean, I hope I can just have a, just a little bit of that, uh, nice. that energy. And just said, I mean, I'm just like amazed, but look, I think that that's what the burning desire, man. I think that that just keeps you going just to sure. the energy to, to keep doing more. Um, You'll be Mick Jagger when you're 78, Tony. Don't worry about it. I believe in oh, you. That's uh, a long time <laughs> away, buddy. Um, so obviously it was a good time out there. Um, Tony was, was on site and taking pictures, doing, you know, acting like a reporter. It was really nice to see. Uh, and it seemed like based on the photos you shared your top takeaway, you mentioned his name a little while ago is Dak Prescott. And that's, that's the word doesn't, doesn't look like a guy that, you know, broke his ankle in a million pieces last year in October, uh, looks totally fine in your estimation. Absolutely. And I think that. Uh, you know, where I was at, uh, you really, you, you, there's no on, on the field access. 
you should mention about the social distance ban. Uh, you have to go through the, you know, obviously the COVID protocol, but my perspective uh, of watching him, uh, you would never thought that, that that guy sustained that type of injury, uh, potentially career-ending injury, broke his ankle in half. It was like dangling for all the world to see. And you just you don't see any of that residual effects. Um, but I think that I – because it's kind of hard because, as I mentioned, you, you look for the, the execution because I think the, the, the quarterback and the receivers and defensive backs, uh, it's more of an execution when you get into camp. And I just thought the ex- execution aspect of Dak and just watching him, you know, Wharton, you know certain players, their, their work habits. And he's this always in – it's all business. And obviously, this is a perspective of me watching practice and looking at different things. But, you know, I did see uh, the efficiency and the the trajectory and the velocity of his balls they threw deep uh, were accurate. Uh, and watching his footwork, I was just amazed at where he is now and where he was last year. And not only is he a, he's good to go health wise, but. Deuce got feel pretty good, man. Going, just got the new contract. Uh, this is his team, and it's kind of what uh, you know. Troy we visited camp, and and we all saw the the conversation he had, and and um, you know, obviously people that ask about always ask Troy about the quarterback, and he said, "Look, he's the best leader I've ever I've ever seen, uh, you know, as far as control and just his whole body language." And it's there. And I think that that's what people think that when they look at someone like that, the command, it's like a pitcher when you have an ace on the mound and you know he's in command and the, the other team is really doesn't have a chance that day. I mean, that's kind of the moxie that you need. And he definitely has that. And I think more importantly, I think his health is right now is not a question. I mean, he hasn't been hit, but as far as mechanics wise, he's he's right where he needs to be. Right. You know, you mentioned Troy and you're right. He spoke, he spoke about Dak on a number of things. I think that we actually are at a point um, where people, people, I don't want to say people gloss over what Troy says, but because he, because we hear him every week, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, Oh, Troy talked again. You know what I mean? Like people are so used to seeing him because he's such a public figure at this point. And so like, I think people don't tend to fully like, you know, let, let his words kind of sit and sink in. And he is, I mean, ridiculously complimentary of Dak Prescott as a leader. And I feel like, again, we, we've, we've banged the Dak as a leader drum a thousand times, but that is such an underrated thing that, that he, that, that, you know, I mean, cause the way you talk about Troy and the way he was a leader for you guys. And so for, for that person to view Dak Prescott in this way, it does like, and that's where it, it, it seems like everything out of Oxnard right now is, is really positive and really calm. And that starts with Dak. Like, I think there is this energy of like, everything is okay. Everything's right because Dak is back. You know what I mean? There, there's, there's a sense of discombobulation when he's not there because he is the guiding light for the entire franchise. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. 
And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And last year, we were talking about you know, the franchise tag. We we're talking about the, the contract extension. And uh, so this kind of prolonged, and that's what, the, that's what we were talking about. Uh, but, you know, Troy, I, I think the, it, it's a different perspective because he's not the, he's very objective. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not a guy that, uh, you know, that, as you mentioned, has been in, has watched a lot of games, played in a lot of games as a player. So I think there's a lot of respect. And I think I think people he's not biased towards the Cowboys. I mean, and and, and I, I think that he made a good point that you know when you're calling a game, you can't be biased because right. there's so many moving parts, and you got to call it the way you see it, as opposed to an in-studio uh, analyst. Um, but I think he's he doesn't give those compliments out very very much. Agreed. And to, to anyone, and not just I think he's probably more. He's probably harder on the quarterback and the Cowboys than is in the other teams. Now, the perspective around the league, I think, is, you know, people don't give the Cowboys much respect because they haven't done a whole lot. But I think the Troy, when he talks and he really he understands that, I mean, to because of just his history, uh, as I I mentioned, you know, being a play by play guy and just seeing different guys with different personalities that to me, he's not. He's, he's kind of hard to impress. And I think that I think people just give him respect when he talks about, and especially when it comes to someone like Dak Prescott. Yeah, I can see that. I can see him being hard to impress like in general, but I imagine it's like for Dak, it's probably harder to impress Troy than anybody else on earth because Dak has the job that, you know what I mean? Like no, nobody in the world has to impress Troy the way that Dak does. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause- Well, and, and, and I don't think that that's his job either to impress anyone. Sure. But the, the respect factor, because he's just his own person. And I, and, and, and I think that that's kind of – I think he has more respect for, from people than just being himself and who he is. And, and so he doesn't have to. That's who he is. And so he, he falls into that mode of a leader and a guy that carries himself and, and – and, and I, I, you know, and I know what the, the, to the point about Troy made, you know, it's different. And I'm not just saying this because I played on the team. We won Super Bowls. I just know that it's, that's a tough position, the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, because it's the most scrutinized team. It's the most scrutinized position in the national football league. And a combination of those, I mean, it's the negativity can follow you so quick. Yeah, no, I, I think that's and the criticism, well, and, and the criticism, especially, right? Right. No, I think that's well said. Um, so good job, Deck. Good job, Troy. Good job, everybody. Um, what were you, uh, what were your takeaways, Tony, from Dan Quinn from your time at Oxnard? Uh, I I think that that's uh, I think that was another point of interest for me because I, mean, I was down at the end where I was watching the defensive line because my perspective, as I mentioned. Uh, 
you know, where, where I sat, I was able to watch the defensive line, offensive line. Think about that. Of all, you know, me being an old, uh, you know, down in the trenches guy. Uh, it's a different vibe. You know, from him working with players after practice, Micah Parsons and different defensive line guys. I want to stop you I right think there. The guy, how, yeah. how, how rare is that? Because we like people see that and, and they see the defensive coordinator working with, you know, Micah Parsons or Randy Gregory. And a lot of people want to run with that and say, like, wow, this is really cool. In your experience, you know, and it can be any of your defensive coordinators anywhere, not even in the NFL, but any any level you football you ever played in. How rare, how common is that? Well, here's the thing, RJ, it doesn't matter what level you're at. And I, whether you're Pop Warner, whether you're high school, college, and National Football League, you want to be coached. Mm-hmm. And look, I think some guys, they, there's certain different personalities. I think Dan Quinn kind of falls into that mode of um, a guy that really cares about you as a, as a person, but it's more developing you as an athlete. Because I think this all goes hand in hand. So when I see him, I mean, this isn't just something for to you know for people to see. For, for hard knocks. Look at Dan Quinn. Right. Yeah, this is genuine. This is his personality. Okay, um, so I think that that's he understands that. And look, I think that there's nuances of your game that maybe other coaches don't see. And I've always said the delivery and really just things you have to. And it only takes one a couple of things to say to you, and it's like all of a sudden you're all your hair starts standing up on your back, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you just get chills. Right. And it's, and you're like, damn, I mean, and, and so there's this, this certain amount of confidence and the, the we're relying on you. We're, we're counting on you to be a big factor this year, whether it's Micah Parsons, whether it's uh, you know, whether it's Randy Gregory, well, I think Randy Gregory is going to have a really uh, tremendous year because he just, he just looks totally different. Um, but I think that that's, that's the connection you have to have, especially for a new coach, because that's the thing that you have to really get get familiarity with your, your players and really just kind of just develop a relationship because, you know, there's going to be three or four or five guys on that team that you got to count on. So those are the guys you're really going to try to, uh, for lack of better words, nourish that maybe need a little <laughs> bit more help like Randy Gregory, not, not in a, not in a, Kind of yeah, a not, in a, not in a hand-holding way, right? No, no, no. Just, just more in a connection. You know, nourish of what you you already have in your arsenal and help you develop and understand little things like whether it's hand movement, whether it's getting taking an edge, an angle that maybe Dan, you know, a coach sees that maybe well, hmm, you know, that's that makes a lot of sense. And especially here's here's a ticker on that. If it works for you, if it's something that they tell you, I'm like, oh God, yeah, I, I, we're where, how come I haven't, no one's told me about this since I've been in the league. So, you know, that is the, the respect factor and just being able to develop that connection with player and coach. I couldn't echo everything you're saying more. You use the word nourish. I would use the word teach. I think nourish works well. Um, but Mike McCarthy, one of my favorite Some people things. needs a little bit more nourishment. <laughs> Uh, in a my, good way. In a no, no. And, way. but, and yeah. you're right. Like, I mean, especially like you look at Micah Parsons is, is like, he's an NFL baby, right? So like he he's needs, he needs yeah. nourishment. Right. And even Randy Gregory, who's, who's, you know, played sparingly over the last five years needs a lot of nourishment to kind of, you know, refine his form uh, because it's been so long, which is something we've talked about, obviously, since he's played an entire season. And so, but, you know, my, my favorite thing that Mike McCarthy has said, maybe ever as the, as his, you know, as the head coach of the Cowboys was at the beginning of camp, he talked about how they as coaches are teachers 
And I think that that gets lost. Like people look at at coaches and, and they, you know, and this is fair, but they depend on them to be geniuses and innovators and uh, disciplinarians. And like, there's, that's why it's so difficult to be a coach, but you also have to be a great teacher. That's, that's what this is about at the end of the day is teaching guys concepts or whatever the case may be so that you can win. Um, I do just, I'm so wildly impressed with Dan Quinn and, and obviously his, his, you know, tutelage or, or his you know whatever teaching nourishing of Micah Parsons or of Randy Gregory something that I think that gets lost or or that maybe isn't shined or doesn't have enough shine on it is when it comes to Micah Parsons specifically and Randy's a different case because again he hasn't played football so you could kind of play this to, to him too but Micah did not play football last year he was an opt-out you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it has been, and, and you can, I mean, you can certainly attest to this better than I can, but you can go train wherever you want. You can go to the best gym in Los Angeles and in, in wherever you want on earth and you can train, you can lift, you can do whatever you want, but it is still not, you're not getting the full complement of being a football player because you're not getting coached. You're not getting taught. You're not getting nourished. And so I love that Dan Quinn is, if, if you know, you could call it handholding. I, and I know you're not saying it's that, but if you want to hold his hand, that's fine. Because right now, Michael Parsons is in a position where holding his hand probably isn't a bad thing. Yeah. I think that you brought up a good point. Uh, the, the football skill set is not done in the weight room. It's not done on the field and the, in the, conditioning and your alternative way of, of training it's done uh, cerebrally and to be able to see that through someone a defensive coordinator his eyes has watched so much film and it's been around so many players in the national football league that's just knowledge you know you can't the knowledge is something that you you you, you know you can teach it uh, but they got to be able to absorb it and i think that that's a someone that's really try to catch up yeah, and, and, and here's also the thing that I, I thought about is last offseason, there was there was no there was no right. nourishment. There was no teaching on the field because yeah, the there was pandemic. no opportunity and, for it. Right. Right. And some and some coaches were able to adapt to it and some weren't. Uh, and I think this is really going to help just having a whole the training camp and be able to teach these guys and be able to get all the mental reps, you know, the mental reps are hard. That's what you got to get. I, the mentally to the physicality, it's not, it's not like it used to be. And you'll get that uh, when you, you know, when you put pads on and, and really just kind of simulate that, but the mental reps are what you have to really just go in your mind time after time. And then it becomes muscle memory. And then all of a sudden you're not thinking and your head is swimming, especially as a rookie. And I mean, Micah Parsons, uh, I think they're going to, he's going to be a big part of this defense. Uh, they want to make sure mentally he knows everything. Uh, it's kind of a crash course. And mm-hmm. I think he's probably the guy that cerebrally um, and be able to absorb that and be able to really ascertain all that stuff and really just carry it out on the field. Uh, we've talked about Micah, about Randy Gregory, about Dak Prescott. Before we get out of here, any other players that, that stood out to you? Any other players that jumped at anybody that you thought, damn. That's amazing. You know, I thought their defensive backs looked good. Uh, someone mentioned Trayvon Diggs. Um, I think there was a lot of uh, – I think CeeDee Lamb, uh, his route running ability is amazing. Uh, there's a couple of times I think he broke somebody's ankles and they were on the sideline seeing Jim uh, Jim Maurer, the head trainer. Uh, but I think all in all, I was just I was really impressed on the organization of practices and what they were doing. Um, the energy, I think it was very positive. Uh, there was not a whole lot of 
um, and, and I wouldn't think this, uh, there wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, lack of execution. Um, and look, I was there for two hours. Uh, but I did notice that. And you got to remember, you know, I thought Zeke looked totally different. You know, I'm used to him being this kind of a thick, wasted, uh, if you will, a compact runner. Tree trunk type but, of guy, yeah. Yeah, but he's, he's streamlined, RJ. Uh, he's He looks... So you're buying the hype looks, a little bit on Zeke. Well, I'm just going by the his you know the you know his how he's built this this season right it's totally different i mean drop what 10 pounds 10 feet i mean he's back to where he was a freshman and then so i'm not i don't know how that's gonna how he's gonna relate that to running on the field but i'm just talking about as him if i looked at him i was like dude that dude's in shape um i think the offensive line uh tyron smith looked, and again this was my perspective because i had the offensive lineman and the defensive lineman in my side uh, Tyron Smith. I mean, that's a full grown man right there. He looked good. Mm. Uh, Lael Collins looked healthy. Looks lean. Uh, yeah. And that was kind of a mysterious, uh, DeMarcus. The one thing I, I noticed is DeMarcus Lawrence wasn't working. I did not know that he had his third back surgery. I'm not, I'm not for sure if you knew that. Right. That um, came out last week, right. When you were, you were, you were arriving and everything. Right. So, yeah. Cause I was asked, I was asking, I don't know if I, I saw Rich Dalrymple has been there forever and, He's still got his hair, but he's he's gray. Um, <laughs> he's like, like, dude, man, you're still here. And he goes, yeah, that's why my hair's so great, Tony. But it's great seeing him. But uh, I did not know this. That was Demarcus's third back surgery. I don't know how much you want to read into that. Um, but um, Neville Gallimore, uh, the rookie defensive lineman, I was watching him in drills. They looked very. I mean, again, they're in shorts and right. And yeah, helmets. you can't you can't so make a full yeah. conclusion, right? So it's kind of like if you're sitting there listening to Tony Casillas on the seven five zero give his assessment. I mean, I I really, you know, it's hard for me to assess that. You know, the when all you all they're doing is doing you know drills and everything. But uh, I, I think more for the skilled people. The, the skilled people look very efficient, uh, and they execute. The ball wasn't on the ground a whole lot. Defense backs were playing, you know, were, were fit up. Um, but that's all the assessment I got for you right now because that's kind of the lack of what I was able to see. Right. I think that the the takeaway should be that it's way too early to draw any yeah. real conclusions. But based on what is happening right now, it's all where it should be, right? Just in the, the limited scope that it's happening in, everything is fine. And that's an exciting thing. Um, so shout out to Trayvon Diggs, Neville Gallimore, Demarcus Lawrence, Rich Darrymple, uh, you know, everybody, um, you know, it, 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 you know, everybody's important here. When I was very quickly, when I was 17, um, I went to Cowboys camp uh, in San Antonio at the time and Rich Darrymple was there and I had a, a Cowboys helmet that I was trying to get autographed by everybody. And I was begging him to sign it. And he was like, you don't want my autograph. And I was like, yeah, I do. Like, <laughs> it's like, I, you're a part of this. Like, you know, we were kind of going back and forth. And, um, and he showed me his phone and this was a long time ago. So it was like flip phone era. And he said, I got to go. The boss is calling me. And it was like, it was like back when you could, you could barely start to put photos on contacts. You know what I mean? Like it, it was, mm -hmm. it was a little advanced right. in cell phone era. And he yeah. showed me his phone and it said Jerry Jones and had Jerry's photo on there. It was pretty sick. Uh, he did come back and autograph the helmet, which was awesome, but, um, that was a really cool moment. Um, but, uh, nice. Uh, well, are you pumped for Oklahoma to join the SEC? I, I, you know what, I, I think that it's, well, I, I guess my response is kind of a pregnant pause because I mean, I was surprised like everyone else. And, 
I guess the question is how pumped is Texas A&M? Look, the, the reason why they made this move is because of Texas. I mean, it's a package deal, but it's all about the brand and it's all about the money, RJ. I think, I think the people, the, the fans, while the Big 12 is going to suffer, I don't, I don't know if that can stay alive. The fans are going to have a lot more marquee games to watch. Um, I don't know what it's going to do to the Texas OU, uh, OU Texas robbery. I don't know how that's going to stand, but I think it's kind of the catastrophic effect that it has, but it, it, it's all about the money. It's all about the branding. It's all about players starting to get paid for the likenesses. And the SEC is the big, the big boy in town. That's where they're going to go. Welcome to a new era of college football. You know, so let me ask you this. How about the A&M Texas game? Well, that, They'll be probably in the Western Conference. So is this something that's going to be start to relive again? I mean, it seems that that's the case, obviously. Um, I mean, considering that AM lost the final one, I would love a shot. And, and like, here's the thing. Like, we, look, we, we can all talk about Texas as, as a brand and, you know, moneymaker and everything like that. Texas sucks ass. Like, we, we can all admit it. Like, it's fine. It's okay. So a and going to beat the crap out of them for a little while. And, how, do you, how do you really feel? How do you really feel I mean, about that? Hey, That's, like, you know, it, you know, it is look, what it look, is. I made, I, I made this analogy and maybe this is, maybe it's kind of stretching, but it's like, it's like the team that we cover the Cowboys. You love them or hate them. They're the big brand and they haven't won anything significantly since 25 years ago. Now, Texas, on the other hand, they've won in 2006, but they, like you said, they sucked ass over the last few years, but, they're this big brand. And yeah. I hate to say that, they and M, but that's, you know, there's this broader, you know, spectrum that they, they captivate. No, and I, I think that that's a, you know, that's a, that's, that's hard and, to, for people to admit. And I'm fine. I'm fine with that. And that's what I'm saying. Like they'll, the brand and they're, they're, they'll be on TV a bunch. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's fine, but A&M will beat the crap and like, maybe they'll catch up. But I mean, they can't even win the Big Twelve. Like, who who's afraid of them in the SEC? Like, that's that's my like about the matchup, the AM Texas matchup. I'm not worried about that. AM will beat the crap out of them, and that will be fun. Um, well, yeah, and like you're, so it may so it may be A and M, OU, and Texas. That's how I'd rank those three teams right now if they're in the SEC Western yeah. Conference. Yeah, I mean, and. I'm so I'm fine with that. Like, and I, it's a bummer on recruiting and everything. And you know, that is what it is, but I also am a fan of intrigue and I'm a fan of drama and I'm a fan of Epic. Like I love Epic things. And so, you know, I know you're not a soccer guy, but I, I, I against the idea of the super league that was forming a few months ago uh, in terms of the spirit that it violates within the game of soccer. But I do like the idea of let's see all the big teams, the big yeah. dogs play each other all the time. And so exactly. I, I do think that like, this is cool for college football. You know what I mean? And this is cool in terms of where it's maybe taking college football. Cause the big tens got to be next, right? Like, you know, in, in some sort of like absorption of other people, or maybe Ohio state wants to join the sec, you know, like I, I'm a fan of where this is going. If this is the means to an end, so be it. I'm not worried about the university of Texas right now. A&M is going to beat the crap out of them. Yeah. I mean, I agree. And Texas A&M, they, they may have deeper pockets in Texas. Yeah. And that's, you know, <laughs> and look, and that's saying a lot, <laughs> no matter what, no matter what, 
I don't care what happens whenever it is, if it's now next year, 2025 after the, you know, the rights are over, whatever there's, Oh, it's no, not going to go that long. No, they're I know. Have to, they're going to bond himself out. Right. But what I was going to say is there's no way that Texas or even OU could have the first year in the sec that AM did the Johnny football year. Like that was the, that was the most amazing first year in the sec that anybody could have ever had. Johnny football beating Bama. I mean, it was, it was beautiful. And like, and nobody, to your point, that was epic. That was epic. Yeah. Like, I mean, and, and so thank you, bear. Appreciate it. He's an Aggie too. And your dog. Thanks. thanks um, so bring it on. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I, I think the big elephant in the room will be how do they get through this for, you know, this season without talking about both those teams going to the SEC, but uh I mean, I, I think you're right. It's kind of like the, the Super League in soccer. You got more team, more games to watch, and probably has six or seven teams that'll be in that first that first year of the expansion of twelve teams in the football playoffs. What um, man. where are you most excited to see the Sooners play? Like, what SEC campus are you most in, intrigued to see Oklahoma? Because that what that was like, and I remember that was. What, I think you know, LSU. I think Death Valley. I that's the, be, that's those, your top those, one. Uh, Alabama. Uh, I mean, yeah, like for me, like when, when AM first the SEC, Georgia was up there. And I know that that hasn't happened, but like it was just like, you know, thinking of like rare, because like, that's the thing, like we see Alabama so often, we see LSU so often, we see Florida so often. Like, you know, I don't see as many Georgia games Auburn, as I do. Yeah. I, I like to see Auburn. Yeah. Like those are all, that's what I'm saying. Those are the like interesting places to me. Not that the other places aren't interesting, but we just see them all the time. So, you know, even like Tennessee, like places that you just don't get to see as much that you would never see as an Oklahoma fan. You know what I mean? Like, that's cool. Um, But like, it will be epic to see Alabama, Oklahoma. Like, that will be incredible. I think that'll be amazing, amazing scheduling and amazing games. And that's exactly why they're joining the SEC. So we we can see that and Mucho Danero. Hey, uh, how about your household now has a lot more rivalries going on with your University of Texas, your OU, your Arkansas. Like Arkansas. it's just an SEC household now in the Casillas house. I, I know. I, I look. I have no problem with it. I think it's uh, again SEC and Arkansas and uh, now Arkansas. Will be that's another story. Yeah. No. There. <laughs> if you want to talk about sucking ass, I mean, you know. Yeah, uh, I'll tell that to my daughter. But yeah, they they have not when they play Texas this year. So they the home and away. They play Texas and Fayetteville. I believe it's the third week of the season. So there wow. you go. That's a prelude to SEC matchup. That's Texas. right. It's kind of weird, man. You know, it's, it's oh, it's weird at first. And it's it's gonna feel weird yeah. forever. Like it still feels weird for AM sometimes, but like that's and it's been 10 years, but you know, it's all worth it. Um it will I be think interesting. We'll all adjust to it. Yeah, totally. Definitely. Um Tony, glad you're back. Glad everything went well. Glad your daughter's doing a great job. Awesome stuff. Um, at last, last, last question for you, Tony. If the 750 had to compete in an Olympic event, what would we stand the best chance in? Oh, man. Um, you would have to do all the heavy lifting I, athletically. Obviously. I would say table tennis, but, man, you watch <laughs> table tennis? I've seen the it's table definitely, tennis, it's, yeah. It's definitely not canoeing. Have you seen the canoeing? Oh, dude, with the, like, obstacle uh, courses and stuff? Yeah, That's they simulated it. Isn't it yeah. great? It's kind of button on, and all of a sudden, it's like the rapids and you know Montana or someplace like that. Yeah, that's um, table tennis might be our our speed. I, I, I Do they have cornhole? They have cornhole yet? I think cornhole's on the way, 
but I was going to say, I think speed walking is an event, if I'm not mistaken. What? I think so. Like power walking, I think that's an event. I could be wrong. Um, I saw that on Twitter. But and as you know, Twitter never lies. Uh, so, you know, well, I'm just curious. I, I, I know like uh, people run a mile in under five minutes. I wonder what they walk a mile in, power walking. Who runs a mile under five minutes that isn't actively you know, oh, in the NFL? Well, no. I'm, what are you talking about, Olympian? Or what are you talking about? Oh, an Olympian. Okay, I thought you were talking about like average saying, Joe's. No, I'm talking. No, okay. no, I'm talking. No, no. I may have said that. I'm talking about in the Olympics, or just someone goes out there and run averages like five minutes. You know, I don't know what the world record is, but my point is like to, for speed walking. I'm sure um, there's some people out there that can run a walk, walk a speed walk in six minutes. Now, could you imagine that? Yeah, so I'm looking this up. It is called race walking. Um, so that is an Olympic event. Um, and the top question uh, on Google, Tony, is how fast do, thank you, Bear, do Olympic power walkers walk? 7.7 .7 miles per hour. Damn. So what is that? What is that in, ter what is, what is, what is that in a mile? What, what would be your time for walking a mile super or speed walking? Um, Why you I'm going to say, I'm going to say the under is six minutes. Well, six minutes would be six miles an hour. Right. Cause if you know what I mean? Like true. Uh, do the math. <laughs> so if you're doing 7.7, .7, it's a little bit faster than six. You know what I mean? Like maybe yeah, five. So they can walk a mile in five minutes. Like freaking hauling ass dude. So race walking, yeah. we could do that. I think so. No, you could, I walk pretty, I walk pretty slow. I think I think my wife could do that. Um, I'm gonna say let's do this. Awesome. I haven't seen badminton, but maybe we could participate in that. Um, probably not. I've got more confidence in race walking. But by the way, did you see Lydia Jacoby last night win the gold medal from, yeah. from Alaska? Oh, dude! Did you see that celebration? Yeah, and you see the video of her of the family and friends and everything. That was so. Oh my awesome. gosh! I mean, that's what it's about. I mean, those people, the motion of it. And they weren't even talking about her. She was, you know, the other favorite that, that was in that, the other swimmer. And I'm trying to think of the, the, the person that, that, uh, that got the silver. But all of a sudden, she comes out of nowhere. And the way she trained in Alaska, they, only had, they didn't have, they had like a, like had a, like a makeshift. Yeah. yeah. And she wins Olympics. But she's going, guess where she's going? Your favorite place, rivalry. Uh, of Texas. Well, you know, it's better than San Diego State, <laughs> where Kawhi Leonard went. So, but that's a great um, story, right? Oh, dude! I mean, that's, it's, what, that's what the Olympics is all about, man. It's incredible, uh, and it's also favorite like a, sport to watch. What's your favorite sport to watch? Um, so we're recording Tuesday. Last night I was watching some volleyball. That was really intense. But right I, I like, I like mixing up the volleyball. Um, I like watching some beach volleyball. And while I, I admit that that's probably harder because there's only two people. <laughs> Um, I like the team volleyball because that's I know why you like watching beach volleyball. Well, the team, <laughs> the team volleyball is, is epic, dude, because oh, that's, like, awesome. that, that's amazing. Like, that those are like being fired in like, and, and some people are like, some people I was watching just sit there and just like absorb the blow that like, like that's their job is just absorb the blow and, and like bounce it up with your chest. That's nuts. Yeah. Um, obviously rooting for the women's soccer team. Although man, they are off to a, a rough start. They drew this morning with Australia. Check this yeah. out. And we're about to leave here prior to the Olympics. And I, I believe this is correct of their previous 44 matches. They, they had, they were unbeaten in all 44, but they won 43 of them. So they were, mm. they had, they won 43 and drew one match in their last 44 matches so far through three matches in the Olympics. 
They have won one, they have lost one, and they have drawn one. So pretty uh, pretty wild stuff going on with the women's soccer team. But well, it's, just, it's, it, it's just wild over in the, the way they're doing the Olympics and the social distancing. And But when you're supposed to be that dominating and you have to – and look, I think that's the greatest part about – yeah, it's not a super team. Like, look at the men's basketball team. They're the, the you know, the, the, oh, the dream yeah. team is no longer. I mean, it's – so I think that that's good. I think you're kind of getting the amateurism, if you will, uh, kind of step forward and, you know, but a lot of these – hey, how about Lucas going 48, man? Yeah. Um, there's a lot – again, I can't wait till golf starts too. Um, that will be a lot of fun. Um, and uh, have you watched any of the skateboarding? There's these, like, 13-year-olds I winning did. gold medals. No, I, I, I missed that. But oh. I did watch the I did watch teenagers, a surfing uh, a surfing contest yeah. that they had at Turner Beach while we were there, and that was pretty cool. We just walked up on them, and they're like these these twelve year olds, like cats hang you know hang tenant on these waves. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> uh, well, shout out to them. Shout out to California. Yeah. Shout out uh, to Rich Darrymple again. Uh, shout out to everybody in the world, basically. Uh, in the grab bag, uh, podcast, we did the set version of the seven five Oh, it's pretty That's good. how we roll. Uh, my best I, work today, brother. Everybody have yourselves a great week. We'll see you next Tuesday. This was the seven five Oh. to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.